Welcome back to Is It Horror? This is Season 3, bonus episode, Kill Her. I'm Joe. And I am Steve. Normally each episode we analyze a piece of media, usually a movie, whose horror status is debatable. We look at the creator's intent, audience reception, and the content of the media all in an effort to better define the horror genre. If you agree with our take, that's awesome, and if you don't, that's awesome too. Horror is a diverse genre, and all are welcome. Now, this episode, however, is going to be a little bit different because we have some exciting news, because we have a special guest with us. She is a director, a writer, a model, a biologist, and more to the point of this episode, the star of the new film, Kill Her. MC Huff, welcome to Is It Horror? Thank you, guys. I'm so happy to be here with you, too. We're excited to have you here, and uh, I just, before talking a little bit about uh, our just what the movie is, wanted to just talk about who was all involved with it. So we've got the writer on that is Tom Keish, who also plays Mr. Rogers in the film. Uh, it's directed by Robin August, and it stars, obviously, M.C. Huff as Eddie, along with Emily Hall, Jenna Alvarez, Nicole Levins. Is that the right way to pronounce it? Yes. Cool. She'll listen to this and be upset with me. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, Tom Keish, Harrison White, Jack Schumacher, and Ron Rog. Now, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. Roger. That's the only one that you, you slaughtered there. <laughs> Dang it. The accent. They get me. Yeah. As far as the description of the film, it's four friends head to the woods for a pre-bachelorette party, and they soon realize they've set up camp next to a mysterious recluse, and he is not a happy camper. Things only get worse when people start to die, and a terrible secret is revealed. Um, I just wanted to say that this movie is a lot of fun, and you can tell everybody involved with it was having such a good time making it. I, I love the retro feel to it, adding in like film grain and cigarette burns and the quick zoom ins. Um, just the whole summer camp slasher vibe is is great and a subgenre of horror that I really enjoy a lot. So I yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I just echo all that as well. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I liked a lot of the characters. Um, so, yeah, it was great. Our director, Robin August, is a huge horror fanatic, and I think he did such a good job of paying homage to such cult classics to where people go, ah, that's a reference to this, or that was taken from that. So it really hits on that nostalgia of horror fans, especially from 80s, 90s, fun slashers. Yeah, you can definitely feel that all throughout. So that's that's really cool. I want to think, okay, I got to ask, I know this is super off topic, but I must know more about it. Uh, you seem to have a pet squirrel. Is that right? <laughs> yes. So West Hollywood is covered in squirrels. There are so many. And during the pandemic, you know, everyone had a pandemic thing. You either made sourdough bread or you became friends with your neighborhood squirrels. And yeah, I did the latter. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I even taught them to do really fun tricks all using, you know, walnuts, of course. They don't, they, it wasn't free entertainment. They wanted their treats. But I, I taught them to like stand up on their like hind legs, do circles. They would like crawl up my shoulder and hang out. Uh, yeah, up on my shoulder. So 10 out of 10, highly recommend a squirrel friend. 
Did you make any squirrel friends on the shoot? Did they join you? With no, but there was so much wildlife out there. We were filming up in the mountains in Big Bear, and there were raccoons everywhere, which is very, uh, if you've seen the movie, <laughs> <laughs> just wonderful that that was actually the case. And then deer, uh, just a lot of wonderful wildlife. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> I that sounds like the best like pandemic hobby you could ever have. <laughs> yeah, but then I realized I'm like as soon as I started going out there and I didn't have treats, they'd get a little upset. So, one day I did get a little bite on my finger and I'm like, mm, I'm pulling back a little bit." That <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. I my pandemic thing was more just trying to get my dog to be okay with me giving her hugs, which still no. <laughs> oh. What kind of dog do you have? <laughs> Uh, she's a half pug, half chihuahua. She's uh, she's she's a cat amongst dogs, really, personality wise. I love it. I can confirm that. <laughs> Sounds like a cute combination for sure. I, I've got pictures on the Instagram. You can check her out. She's adorable. Oh. So I wanted to ask too: Were you much of a horror fan before Kill Her? So this is my first horror film I've acted in, but ever since I was very, very young, I was always drawn to horror films. In fact, I had a group of five best girlfriends when I was around like age 10, and all we would do every weekend is slumber party, put on a scary movie, and see who could last you know, till the end without running into the other room. But one thing I realized in doing that, because we would get terrified. We're like 10 years old watching Saw and, you know, <laughs> wanting to just like, like, what are we doing? What do our parents think we're doing? And when we'd get too scared, we would put the movie on mute and it suddenly became almost more funny. Like it, it, so much of the terror is built up in the soundtrack that I really realized how important every element of filmmaking was at that point, even though I was very young. I'm like, wow, people think the actors are doing it all because they're front and center on screen, but there are so many people that go into making a movie. And especially with horror, there's the music and uh, it's, it's just so incredibly important, but also the VFX. And so I was so excited to dive in to kill her when I first was uh, given this role because, yeah, it's something I'd been sort of dreaming of since I was a kid. That's awesome. Do you do you have, like, favorite horror movies? You know, it's so hard because, as you know, you guys both seem to be horror enthusiasts. There's so many different types and so many genres that it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges, even within the horror genre. But I will say there are certain performances that really stick out to me. Um, leading up to this film, Misery, I don't know if you guys have seen Misery, with Kathy Bates. Yep. I think that was such an influential film for me in creating this character. And I just, I really like, I like films that make you think. I really liked Joaquin Phoenix more recently in The Joker. And I would call that, I would call that horror. I don't know if you have an episode on Is It Horror yet, but uh, <laughs> I just, I, I love yeah, I love when films address things like mental health 
which I th found that they really, Joaquin Phoenix really did a wonderful job at thinking, making you think about mental health afterwards. So I'm kind of curious, we have kind of our little outline, we might jump on around on a little bit, but um, so you said that uh, Kathy Bates, she really kind of influenced your portrayal of uh, Eddie. Was that something that you brought into the audition as well? Because I had heard from some other interviews that you did that your audition was, at least by the director's admonition, kind of scary. <laughs> I, yeah, I worked incredibly hard on the audition for this because it was interesting. I was actually asked to read for three of the four girls, role, the roles. And when I got the call back, they were still like, oh, you're reading uh, for Maddie, Jess, and Eddie. I was like, what? I haven't narrowed it down. I wanted Eddie so badly. And then um, <laughs> at the final chemistry read, which was the only in-person event, because this was in the height of COVID. Everything was on Zoom except that final chemistry read because they really wanted to see you know, the actor's chemistry in person. And even at the chemistry read, they still hadn't decided of me for the three roles. So I did a little bit of self-sabotage and was like, you know what? I am going to give Eddie's take all I got and then almost try to make my other two reads not as good, uh, which turns out they didn't even realize I was doing that. But deep down, I'm like, I, I want Eddie. So like, don't even look at me for these other two roles. Uh, don't get me wrong. All the characters in this movie are written to be wonderful and complex. But there was something about Eddie that I thought could speak to so many people in the audience and they could see themselves in her, just a broken soul who's gone through the ringer and she's at her freaking breaking point. So yeah, it, the the self tape I originally sent in, yeah, I worked extremely hard on it. And it's funny, the writer and producer and actor, Tom Keish, who's in the movie, he says, he's like, oh, one of these days, if we get Kill Her Out on a DVD release, I want that audition to be on like a special features because he thinks it's wonderful. <laughs> I, yeah, when I, I heard you guys talking about it, I really wanted to see it and kind of, because obviously, I mean, you see your performance there in the film and what you're doing with the character, but uh, just, yeah, I was really intrigued to see kind of what this this raw proto-Eddie performance was like. Yeah, there's definitely an art to auditioning because you have to use so much of your imagination. I mean, once you get on set, there's so many wonderful tools that are given to you that make your job a little easier. But to imagine, you know, a dead body right in front of you and to be going through something so horrible, you really have to rely on your imagination because you're just in a blank room with a reader. <laughs> it's, it's all have to be, it all has to be yeah. your imagination. And, you know, thankfully, most of us don't have experience to pull from for that kind of thing. <laughs> Yes, yes, we definitely don't want to rely on personal experiences for for all horror films. That's for sure. Yeah, no, probably probably good to avoid that. Yeah. Um, I guess on the subject of kind of Eddie and like your your preparation for that, 
Um, so like how much of Eddie's backstory was in the script already and how much like was kind of developed through the process or how much were you able to do with it? Yeah. So there was certain, I would call them special little nuggets that were given to me where it would be easy to read through the script and miss them. But to me, I then dove deep into that. So, of course, I created a lot on my own, but I, I like to use what's given from the writer as a jumping off point because they are the ones who I'm, t I'm taking on this life that they really envisioned. So, yeah, I, I mean, I went all the way, went all the way back. I would say I spent most of my time around the age of like, 10, 11, 12, there's one sentence in the movie that I say, I would say about 30 minutes from the end of the movie. And I say that um, my mother died during childbirth and I cried into my pillow, pillow every night. My alcoholic, abusive father raped me. I say him because I'm talking about someone else, but it's, it's clearly um, a an allergy, I guess you could say, that I'm saying it about me. And so I was like, wow, that is such a deep sentence that the writer gifted me that I'm not going to just overlook. And that really influenced so many factors of the entire movie, that one sentence in the script. In fact, that was a big reason why I wanted to have short hair. I actually had really long hair even when I got the role. And that was something that I asked Robin. I said, I really feel like Eddie would want to have a short haircut for many reasons. One of which it had to do with, yeah, that, <laughs> this is pretty dark, but yeah, the raping of her father in her past. So less there to hold anyway, on to. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I know it's, it's really deep and dark, but like I felt I really needed to go to those places to make my performance authentic and to tell the truest story that I could. I mean, I feel like that comes across on the film, too. I, You can tell that you put a lot of thought into who Eddie is and trying to portray that. And uh, so, I'm, yeah, all that work, it really shows up on screen. Yeah, and uh, that, that line that you're talking about is so powerful. And it sort of comes with, like, you know, dealing, like, looking at Eddie going through a lot and kind of being a little erratic and then going to that dark place. And it just speaks so much to her character and uh, you portrayed that so well. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I mean, you obviously don't do it. Don't do it for the accolades. You know, you, you try not to read reviews, but of course, when you work so hard on something, it is nice to hear, hear that kind of stuff echoed. So thank you. It, while we're kind of talking about that, I, I was kind of curious, do you, so do you feel like Eddie is going through the grieving process during the course of this film? Obviously, we're not getting into spoilers yet, and we will maybe get into a little bit, but um, without going into all the reasons why that would be, do you think that she's kind of going through the grieving process in this film? Yeah, I think she's she's grieving a lot of things, and one of which is trying so hard to be loved and to be wanted and to be needed and not being successful at it. 
So to have, you know, to make t-shirts for this pre-bachelorette party for all the girls and then to be immediately mocked. It's like, God, one thing after another, after another, she can't get a break. And everybody just brushes her off as this weirdo. So yeah, it's, it's grieving a lot of things. And you're right, without giving spoilers, it's hard to, (laughs) hard to say all the things that she's grieving. And maybe we can we can have a spoiler section where we talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, at least for now, we'll we'll leave it mm-hmm. there. <laughs> what character do you feel like you're the most like? Do you feel like Eddie's the one? I mean, you already said sort of Eddie was the one you were most excited about portraying. But um, did any of the other characters speak to you personally or anything like that? Absolutely. I mean, I had a blast creating those worlds for each of those, even up until, like I said, the final read. And I can see myself in all of them, but any character that I lean towards in any project is I want to, I want to attack the most messed up on the outside life. I want to dive right into it. Because I always find the people who are so complicated and so hurt, and then they do something horrible, my very first thought is what pushed them to that point? That's even me watching the yes. news. I yep. watch these these atrocities happen. And just this past uh, week when the main, the main shooter, I'm like, of course my initial first gut instinct thought is these poor victims and their families but if we really want this cycle to stop we have to address the root cause issue and the only way to address the root cause issue is to dive right into the mind of these people so as an actor i feel like you really have the ability to i know it sounds corny but like change the world in ways because you can address these issues that no one really wants to talk about so going back to your main question is I I don't necessarily have to see myself in a character in order to play them because I will find that in myself. But hey, I had a really rough childhood as I'm sure a lot of people did. So at least that part of it, I could really cling to with Eddie. And I, I don't know, I can really appreciate that just because I think from, it's so easy to, look at someone whose motivation that you don't understand and then just put them in this this other box and say like well I can't understand it so I'm not going to try and then as soon as you decide that you're not going to try to understand somebody then you dehumanize them and then it's just opens up the door to things like the main shooting like any shooting really if you can dehumanize someone you can do anything to them and that's why it's so important to try to have empathy to try to understand people to try to get them on their own terms. So I appreciate that that's something that you're bringing to your acting. I couldn't agree more, Steve. I I echo all that. Yes. And I also wanted to ask, so I understand that you have an improv background. I I was kind of looking at a chugga chugga improv. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to know, did you get to improv much on Kill Her or was it pretty strict? state of the script we got to improv quite a bit which is really rare in 
lower budget independent films because we were on a really tight shooting schedule. So the first take you do, you always have to get through a safety take with as it's written, right? Give the writer what they want, give the producers what they want. Um, but it was awesome because we had such a fast moving crew that was just working like a well-oiled machine that could do crazy amount of setups in one day that Robin, our director would be like, all right, we have one take, do whatever you want. And obviously, <laughs> you know, what, do something that that character would do. Don't just go off the rails. But yeah, I think some of the most wonderful moments in this movie were improvised and not even speaking about just my character, but one of my favorite characters in this movie is Harrison White playing HXB. And he's he he's wonderful, right? And he just brought something to the table that nobody else did apparently in the read and casting for that role. And so one time when he goes like, oh, and does this cute little like <laughs> thing. If you watch it, you'll know. But uh, otherwise, I just sound crazy. But like that was totally improvised. <laughs> so <laughs> fun, fun moments like that that are almost like t-shirt worthy quotes are a lot of the improvised moments. That's awesome. I was going to ask if yeah, there is any particular favorite improv sequences. It, were there any that um, that you can point to for your your character? Yeah, uh, I think the chase, there's a, I don't think this is really a spoiler. There is a chase scene in the movie that involves Eddie and Maddie. And there was a lot of leeway given with that scene. Because as written in the script, it was just like, if I recall correctly, you know, it's been a while <laughs> since I read, read that script. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it was just like, you know, chasing through the woods till they get to this spot where a huge reveal sort of happens. Um, yeah. So I would say that was, that was a moment that I got to experience a lot of fun improv. Okay. I think I know exactly what you mean as far as I, I I'll have some questions that during the spoiler section. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're doing a very good job of dancing around the reveals. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so um we watched your short film uh breakfast with jenny uh which for you listeners out there you can check out on youtube it's it's great um i was wondering uh so i wanted to know if your experience behind the camera helped you with your acting process and being in front of the camera absolutely my biggest recommendation to anyone who wants to be into in this industry whatsoever is to try to learn every aspect of it that you can. And knowing, knowing shots and angles and how a camera is going to pick up on you and how tight a frame is and how subtle you need to be in that moment. Those are all elements that you really learn behind a camera. And then you can implement them, the technical aspects in front of the camera. And I did do Breakfast with Jenny right before I went down to Big Bear to film. So, so much knowledge I gained from that. And with Breakfast with Jenny, I really wore every single hat in the production of that. I mean, my partner, Gregory Michael, who's a wonderful actor, he does an incredible job in Breakfast with Jenny. But 
I remember it's very powerful. It's so powerful and it's wonderful within six minutes, what you can get across emotionally in a short film. It's what I love so much about shorts. I love features, of course, but to be able to send an audience and make them grow through something and six minutes is wonderful. But so in in producing that, I had to learn everything from color correction to lighting and sound and miking him up and editing. And yeah, it helped me so much as an actor in Kill Her. Just kind of along with that, were you able to, um, you know, you obviously don't want to step on anybody's toes, but sometimes there's pickup scenes and things like that. Were you able to do any directing or be at least a little bit behind the camera on Kill Her? Robin August, uh, the director, and Isaac Park, he was our DP, they work very well together. They've done a lot of wonderful projects. And I got close to both of them in filming. So in the moments when they would be setting up the shot, I was able to be very collaborative with them on certain elements of, of shooting, which I really appreciated. I felt like the whole set was really, really collaborative. We had some fun camera shots where we had a, a camera like attached to the chest of actors. So when they were running, it was oh, following yeah. them real time. And so, yeah, we, we definitely got to have input on, on some of those shots, which was a gift as an actor. What was it like having the actual writer of the film there on set with you as well? It was wonderful. So Tom Keish is just such a wonderful human being. He spends like 99% of his free time volunteering with dogs. I'm sure if you've seen his Instagram at all. And he's just such a caring soul. And being able to have the writer on set is wonderful because when you were talking about improvised scenes... You can't usually do that too much without a writer being there because it's like, hey, my character would actually say this, then they would have to send an email, wait to get a reply. But he was right there on set all day, every day. So we could get very real-time script changes if we felt they worked better, if we felt they were necessary. And uh, Nicole... Levents, she actually talks about this in another interview, but she is an Af- African American actress. And in Kill Her, we really worked hard to go against any stereotypes that you actually see in a lot of horror films. And she actually had one moment in filming where she's like, Oh, I should say this, it would be funny. And I want, I'm not even going to say what the, the line necessarily was because it doesn't matter. But Tom Keish, the writer, was like, No. Because it had it like reinforced a stereotype of African Americans in horror movies, and with regards to I think like with regards to camping, I think she was saying like that's why we never go camping. Okay, so okay. it was it was wonderful that he had the attention to detail to be like no, we we're going to change the game. We're not going to keep reinforcing bad stereotypes in movies. That's really cool. Yeah, it's that's cool to hear that how helpful that was to have him right there and to like get his his story like across so well. That's mm-hmm. that's really neat. Um I feel like the the movie has a really good like mix of comedy um and horror. Uh 
Did you have a particular favorite funny part of the movie? Yeah, there there was some... I cannot wait to see the blooper reel of this movie, first off. (laughs) It's going to be one of the funniest things. Robin keeps talking about it because he's been, like, editing one up. But we had such a blast on set. We were cracking each other up so much that there were definitely scenes that were hard to keep a straight face uh there's a fight scene towards the end of the movie a pretty long fight scene and on that day of shooting we shot 54 setups in one day which i know to people who are listening who aren't necessarily filmmakers that number doesn't mean anything but that is four times four or five times the amount of setups that anybody does in a day it was ridiculous so we're already like delirious. We're losing light. We're trying to cram in shots. And this is, there's a moment where I say, you backstabber. It's all these like innuendos. It's, I'm literally saying you're a backstabber, <laughs> but you're also a backstabber <laughs> and you're stabbing right. someone in the back. So to me, we were already, yeah, we were exhausted and fighting and doing all this stunt choreography and yeah that moment had me a little giddy for sure (laughs) (laughs) oh that's fun that's really fun (laughs) i i liked all the humor in it and like you said like a um hot cross buns was such a fun character in all all those scenes he was in I, I love how he takes his karaokeing so seriously but then he's like oh yeah i do karaoke like every other Wednesday, when they let me in, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like sets himself up as this like professional karaoke singer, <laughs> and then has to, yeah, all the qualifiers. You're like, it's okay, man. Live your best life. You got this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also another funny moment I like is Doc Locke who Ron Roger plays when he's warned about going out and and interacting with these girls. Like, and he's like, ah, this is nothing. Four girls in the woods. I got this. And he has his little, (laughs) little badge, his little pin. Like, you're not even official. You're not a cop. And I love that Maddie still, like, acknowledges it, despite the fact that, you know, that it could just be just some happy little button. Who knows what it even says, but still acknowledges <laughs> it, too. She, that's just so her character. I mean, she sees the she sees the good in everybody. So incredibly optimistic to her fault. Just supportive <laughs> of whatever you've got going on. She's there for it. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, maybe he's out there. He's got to be. <laughs> so i gotta ask along with that um so maybe maybe i'm completely out in left field but i personally felt like there was i thought a noticeable romantic tension between eddie and maddie am i crazy or was that no was there not, something going not on crazy Def- definitely so you know it comes you could definitely see it as romantic and that was the intent that was definitely a choice that both of us sort of made. But I think love expresses itself in so many interesting ways that 
at the end of the day, if someone will give Eddie love, it doesn't really matter how it comes. And yeah, just to be loved. So yeah, you're not wrong. That was definitely something that Eddie was yearning for and was pretty reciprocated. I mean, it was a it was a beautiful friendship, but at the end of the day, you know, once someone else was gone, which we're getting to the spoiler part, <laughs> once once yeah, someone yeah. else is gone, it's like, hey, you really are the only one left here for me. So you're all I got. Okay, yeah, because that really comes across and just, I, I don't know, everything you've said in filling in that backstory, the idea of just you know, who, who else does Eddie have? So that makes sense. And yeah, I, cause it reminded me a little bit, cause obviously this is very different, but, um, even, even to say the movie, it reminded me of a little bit of a spoiler. So I'll hang on to that for just a sec. Okay. <laughs> um, but we have a couple non-spoiler questions and then, and then we'll go into some spoilers. Do you, okay, here's one. Um, did you decide like what Eddie's favorite horror movie was like, obviously she, she seemed like a big fan of horror herself. Um, did that come up? Did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I had picked scream because the element of the mask. And that's, that's the other thing is the mask itself. I had to create such a backstory for Cause I'm like, this is so important to her the hair on this thing you know just like what what is the deal so that was something that robin and i actually talked about a lot before filming was the story of this mask and i had created that you know everyone on halloween goes out dressing up all cute all the girls in my neighborhood and everyone always thought i was this weirdo so instead of you know hating the enemy and trying to do the opposite you lean into it more so i'm like oh you think i'm a weirdo and i made that i made that mask that's the like the story of that is i made it one halloween and just kept making it kind of like weirder and weirder and the hair is more scraggly so yeah any a lot of i mean you could you could say michael myers you could say anything that that involves sort of a mask but i i had picked scream that makes a lot of sense. It screams a good pick, and it's yeah. and it's also got the whole like horror comedy vibe going on. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's really cool. That kind of makes sense too. Just it fills in some gaps for me, I guess. Thinking about the character too is there's that whole idea, right? Of uh, if there's something that people don't like about you, you could change it or you could weaponize it. And so clearly, Eddie chose to weaponize it to, you know, to whatever end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like when you're That's at a crossroads, cool. which which way do you go, for sure. And then because we are a podcast called Is It Horror? We analyze movies to see if we think they are horror. And I've heard um, at least Tom express some difference on this in another interview. Would you consider Kill Her a horror movie? I would. I I certainly would. I think that it has so many elements of horror films from the past that create, like I said, the nostalgia of, of certain horror films that 
heck yeah it's it's definitely a horror but to to tom's point which I, I i don't know what exactly he commented on but i think that people like this movie even if they're not necessarily horror fans there's that gore element for sure that certain people may have to go ah and close their eyes because they don't they don't yeah. want the the gore but but yeah i think it's a kind of a horror movie that You'd be like, hey, hey, bud, I know you're not really a horror fan, but you should check this out. Yeah, I think so. I would agree with that. And I think from what I heard from Tom saying, he was basically just uh, had brought up that maybe the producers were. um, Maybe if I'm understanding what he had said correctly, wanting to push it a little bit more into the thriller territory. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I mean, that is true. No, that is that is true. Yeah, it's it's teetering that line of. I, I did an interview the other day and she introduced it as here are the stars of thriller, horror, comedy, kill her. So I mean, she just threw all, you know, all three in there <laughs> or a mishmash for sure. Well, that's, I feel like that's one of the kind of cool things about horror comedy is it can be a little versatile and a little bit more, um, it can be a gateway to horror for those who aren't mm-hmm. into horror for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a gateway movie. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> You'll just want to do more and more. You'll be watching Saul in no time, and who knows what. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lead you down a dark road, starting with Kill Her. <laughs> Spoiler warning. We do have a few more questions, but there will be spoilers. So if you would like to avoid those, skip ahead to fifty-one fifty. So now that we're just spoilers completely at this point, what was sort of your process for getting into character as Eddie on the set? Um, are, are you an actor that has, that can jump right into character or is your process more involved than that? How do you get in that mindset? Yeah, I, I do feel that I have an ability to jump in and jump out, which is nice. So I don't have to live in some traumatic headspace for an hour while they're setting up lights and they're like, Oh, we're not ready for you. Oh, actually three more hours, you know, which some actors do. So that's nice. But, but for some of these scenes, yeah, I mean, you you don't want to jump from happy jumping around (laughs) to go right into a traumatic scene. And I really utilized music a lot. So I had, playlist that I had created months leading up to filming that I curated as Eddie's favorite songs. And they were songs that were like Eddie and Jagger songs or like Maddie and I and our, like where we lived together as roommates, songs we would play or songs I heard as a kid. And each of those songs had a very specific point in the script that it could jump me back to that moment. So I lived a lot of being on set with headphones in my ear until they were like, all right, and action. And I would be like, oh, oh my God, wait, my headphone is <laughs> still in. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'd be like, oh God. So um, yeah, I, I would say music really helped me a lot. I think that's with any horror movie. You're just, you're being asked to live in these spaces for a long time. And there's different tools that that people use. 
and I really found, yeah, music bring, bringing me grounded to certain, certain moments. So I guess part of um, the movie I was going to mention earlier that I kind of got some vibes of when I was watching it is, um, have you ever seen um, High Tension or I think it's also called Switchblade Romance? I have not. Oh, I'll so, put that right on the top of my list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, spoilers <laughs> for that film, and it, it's a much different vibe, but the whole idea behind that one is that you have two roommates that are headed to um, the one roommate's home for a holiday weekend. And um, the whole plot initially revolves around there's a slasher that comes in and kidnaps the one roommate and you're following the main character who's trying to get the roommate back um now i feel like i shouldn't spoil it because if you were one if you're gonna want to watch <laughs> no, it no 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 you're fine you're fine <laughs> okay uh, well so what you find out at the end is that um there there is no killer that's there it's the main character we've been following the whole time is actually has a split personality disorder and is in love with our with with her roommate and she is just trying to eliminate all the obstacles in them being together and and just happens to be unhinged in the way she was doing it so when i was watching through this and i wasn't sure exactly where things were going to go and eddie's got that edge to her i thought that where it was going to go is that you were going to find out that she doesn't want maddie to marry jagger could be just because she wants to be with maddie and that mm -hmm. she just wants to eliminate all of these other distractions in maddie's life to have that focus so that was kind of like how i was reading it but maybe it's just because i'm just kind of relating it to other things um i don't, I don't know if i exactly have a question there but feel free to comment on that yeah of course i i totally see where you saw those parallels and honestly I think that the history between Jagger and Eddie way precedes Maddie. They were friends starting at like around age seven when she started, you know, making the mask and being weird. And Eddie, now that we're in spoilers, Eddie killed Jagger's parents unbeknownst to Jagger. He never even knew that that was me and I killed his ex-girlfriend. So the Eddie was willing to kill so many people to get to Jagger in a similar way that you're describing in this movie. I think if it came down to it, mm, yeah, no, I think, yeah, the relationship was too deep between Jagger and Eddie that it, it wasn't necessarily worth killing everybody else just to be with Maddie. And do you think jagger had absolutely no clue what eddie was doing like i mean obviously you're you're playing eddie not jagger but i'm kind of curious mm -hmm. just to what his what does he think has been going on you know with his parents with his ex-fiance and stuff like that. yeah and and that's what i say towards in the beginning of the movie to maddie i'm like hey the killer's still out there you know and you know and i can't believe they thought he was a suspect so he was even being blamed as a suspect so yeah that would be i'd be interested to hear jack who plays jagger yeah his his thoughts on what he thought going into filming if he had created any sort of backstory be interesting 
I guess uh, now that we're in spoiler territory, just touching base again on the whole like grieving process. Um, so, you know, obviously um, Jagger gets killed by Eddie. Uh, and then I don't know. What do you think about that? Is That's feels like a more like direct, like grieving process that would kind of start at that point And then her having to kind of deal with that. And maybe going through some denial, or I, I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? I guess now that we can talk about it a little more openly. Yeah, of course. I think it is a grieving two part. It's grieving the death of Jagger. It's grieving included in that is the guilt of having killed Jagger, and also just the death of this whole relationship and life that we've had together. And knowing deep down, there's no way I can really move forward in life without him. Because he was sort of the only thing that kept me going. I didn't have a family to fall back on. He was pretty much what I lived for. So certainly, I think from that crazy decapitation moment (laughs) uh, to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was awesome that they did that in post the the like actual head uh, coming off yeah that's um, good <laughs> good effects yeah <laughs> yeah when i saw that uh the first time i had seen the first cut of the movie was at the chinese theater for our world premiere and i saw the head just go Poof. i was like oh my god that was that was realistic <laughs> um yeah it's just so much grieving from that point on even up until the very end she's not done grieving when eddie has the gun to maddie and telling her to kill herself you see that eddie is still like she's unsure of what she's really saying she's like do it now before i change my mind kill yourself now because i have the guts to tell you it right now because i know that's what i want deep down but I also don't want you to die. You know, there's so much confliction in there. I think it definitely reads that way too, as an audience member, because it kind of informs that whole final fight of, uh, you know, there's, there's a bunch of times where Eddie has people dead to rights, but she's lost so much and she's not willing to take just those other couple steps it felt like as an audience member because of that means it's over that she's lost everyone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well yeah. yeah and how how she deals with um you know jess and ray like she puts them in situations where they can die but doesn't just kill them even though mm-hmm. she doesn't really like them yep spot on it's it's i want you to suffer but oh i can't keep losing people who i even have a threat of a relationship with so i have to i have to keep you keep you alive a little bit but but i want you to feel the pain that i'm feeling do you think she kind of wanted both of uh jess and ray to to like her maybe even and maybe to understand her because she has that really deep line Mm -hmm. of dialogue that we were talking about in front of jess yeah no i i eddie really wants to feel understood and loved by anybody and i think right off the top you see in a flashback scene when i suggest we go camping to maddie 
I, and I, I, I don't want Jess and Ray to be there, but once Maddie is definitive that they are coming, I try. I mean, I put through the effort to make these silly little ugly pink t-shirts with glitter and paint. I mean, they're, they're handmade. It's not like I went to, you know, Amazon to order these things. So I'm really putting in this effort. I go and get a cake to bring back. It's teetering that line of, I want you to like me, but also screw you. I know that Eddie is, you know, sort of definitively killed off, but at the end of the day, it's the horror genre. So I guess with that in mind, could we see Kill Her 2, Eddie and the Raccoon Army? Is that is there a sequel possibility there? Could, could Eddie show up? So I will neither confirm nor deny, but I will say Eddie's finger twitches at the very end of the movie, right before she pulls the chainsaw. So... That I'll is as far I as I will that. comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of even if there isn't a sequel, you know, just as a thought experiment, do you feel like there's some kind of possibility of redemption for Eddie as a character? I think there's always possibility for a redemption, no matter what you do. It's just a matter of getting the audience back on your side again. And I will say when Kill Her was... It's still in a few theaters, but when it was playing in theaters last week in Santa Monica, I went and sat in the theater just because I wanted to hear all the strangers' reactions in there who went to go see this movie. And when I walked out of the theater and people were like, wait a second, you played Eddie. And <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was trying to hide back here. Um, they, a few different people said, wow, I was so upset when they ran over your head. Like I was, it crushed me inside because I felt for you so badly. And that is the biggest compliment you can ever give someone who's playing a villain in any film is to tell them, wow, like I actually felt for you. Because you're immediately having the audience not on your side by doing whatever horrible thing that you're doing. So you're really in an uphill battle. And to be able to achieve that in certain people's minds is is wonderful. So yeah, I definitely think a redemptive story is possible for Eddie. That's cool. Well, we'll have to uh, keep an eye out, keep our ears to the ground and, and see yeah. if there's more to come <laughs> in the Kill Her universe. Yes, yes, yes. The re-raccooning, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> I just love how everyone has clinged on to this raccoon thing so much. I absolutely love it. I just want a t-shirt that says raccoons, raccoons, raccoons. I'd wear that every day. It's a very achievable goal. I believe in you. You can yeah. do it. Yeah, say I, I I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love how she was scared of it and like Eddie was like, oh, they're going to, you know, they're going to get you. Well, I think she was thinking bears would get her. But anyways, mm -hmm. but like then the raccoons were just like they didn't actually really hurt her. They just, you know, came and took the honey. So it was kind of yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, they were like, I just want something sweet. <laughs> Do you have any uh, upcoming projects that you can talk about? So unfortunately right now, can't really talk about much because of the strike 
this we were lucky enough to get an interim agreement to talk about but yeah hopefully the strike comes to an end and and i'll let you guys know yeah i would love to hear about what what you've got going when when you're able to talk about it all right well before we close out the interview because this is is it horror we're gonna have you do a quick is it horror lightning round and uh so here are the rules we say a movie and you say if you consider it horror or not, and you can give a one sentence or thereabouts reason why. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. I'll do the first set here. Jurassic Park. Ooh. Uh, yes, it's horror, because I think if you are trying to get yourself as far away from the screen as possible because you see this dinosaur coming through a cage to get somebody. I am horrified. So yes, it's horror. <laughs> All right. That sounds valid. That sounds good. How about uh, Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice? Is that what you said? Yeah. And now uh, we've said it three times, so Michael Keaton will show <laughs> yeah, just, that's all I was trying to get you to do. <laughs> um, I actually was Lydia in Beetlejuice uh, from Beetlejuice uh, for Halloween two years ago. Oh, perfect! And I feel like if you can dress up as a character for Halloween, it's it's horror. I don't know that's if that fair. applies to all the people who dressed up as Ken and Barbie this year, though. So I don't know. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> And people that dress up as political figures, although your mileage may vary on how horrific that ends up being. <laughs> very, <right>. very valid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. How about Jaws? Oh, you know what? I'm going to say not horror because I am a scuba diver and a shark advocate, and I don't like the light that they put sharks in. So I'm just going to say no. You know what? I, I, I could have put money on that. I was thinking, I bet she says no because of the biologist angle. And I've seen your Instagram, so. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I bet, I guess a brief segue on that. Uh, I was, I was, I saw some of those pictures too and saw you like swimming with sharks and whales. That seems awesome. Uh, that's awesome that you, uh, that you're a biologist and studied that. I guess, uh, do you have, I, I don't know. I get, I've, trying to get around to a question, I guess. Just curious to say how you feel about that. <laughs> I, be careful, because I don't know how much time we have left, but I can talk about this all day. I swam with these humpback whales for the first time just a few months ago, and they are so gigantic. I mean, they're way, way, way bigger than a city bus. And you're swimming side by side with them, eye to eye. Or if I reach out, I can... I'm, t I'm going to touch it right, it's right there. And I spent a full hour with this mom and this baby. And it's the best way for me to get back in touch with what really matters in life. And it's such a humbling experience because you're there with this massive creature who could kill you in a second and just trusts you. And you're in this beautiful moment together. And I think that you know, as a storyteller, there's so many beautiful elements of acting and of storytelling, but there's so many 
horrible aspects of this industry itself that it can make you go mad. I mean, that's why a lot of actors, they go crazy because you're constantly auditioning for jobs and, you know, maybe they're saying, oh, you're too this, you're, you're not enough that. And so you have to have things other than acting that bring you joy and allow you to escape from it all. And I really find that in the ocean, especially with scuba diving. I'm like, what better way can I get away from the craziness of LA than going a hundred feet down under the ocean? Like, <laughs> I just get so. to block everything out and focus on what's there. Exactly. So that's my, my comment on, on that. <laughs> That's really cool to have that like a natural touchstone to kind of get back to reality. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, uh, okay, back to the lightning round. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry for the segue. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Ooh, no, no. I think... I don't know. There's too many fun elements of that. Like you go to one of those showings in person. I don't know. I don't think anyone's too horrified. I'm not going to call it horror. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, it's just a lot of fun, but all right. Um, Shaun of the dead. Oh yeah. I would definitely call that horror. I mean, it's a certain subset genre of horror, but heck yeah, they do it well. Yeah, I agree. That one's one of my very favorite uh, horror comedies for sure. So cool. Mm -hmm. How about The Shining? Abso-freaking-lutely that is horror. (laughs) (laughs) Hands down, it's terrifying. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree. (laughs) That's actually the movie we're going to be covering in our next episode. But yeah, I was just thinking about oh, well, a little bit a... too when you were talking about music and how much that affects the presentation of a movie and the horror of it and whether or not that comes out because that movie and the soundtrack, amazing. Mm, yes, for sure. Well, you have survived the Is It Horror lightning round and uh, just thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. And uh, just where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, uh, you can find me at MC Huff, that's M-C-H-U-F-F, on pretty much anything. I would say I'm most active on Instagram, but yeah, you can find me on pretty much everything. And I would love for people to, yeah, to reach out if they watch Kill Her. I love hearing people's thoughts, or I already saw a few people dress up as, as certain things or do raccoons for mm-hmm. Halloween. So always feel free to tag, so I love seeing that. That's awesome. And Kill Her is available on VOD right now. You can go check it out. Um, YouTube, Apple TV, Vudu, uh, Google Play, pretty much wherever you can rent movies at this point, I think. I haven't checked absolutely every site. But yeah, it's available right now. So check it out. Thank you so much for being here. It was a, it was a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, this was such a blast. Thank you both. It's so wonderful to meet you guys. I'm happy that you guys enjoyed the movie. and. Yeah, hopefully on my next project, we can connect again, whether it's something totally unrelated or the revenge of the raccoons. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We'll reach out. You reach out and we'll talk then. Thank you so much. Awesome. Enjoy the rest of your night, you guys. Great chatting. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Is It Horror? 
Hopefully you enjoyed this bonus episode. We were able to talk with MC Huff about the new film, Kill Her. And you can check out our regularly scheduled episode that'll be out a week from today, where we're going to be talking about The Shining, and we will have guests with us as well from the podcast Horror Hour with the Hannahs. So we'll see you back there. I have been Steve. And I'm Joe. Bye. Bye. Raccoons. Raccoons. Thanks for joining us at Is It Horror? We post new episodes every other Friday. To stay up to date on all things Is It Horror, follow us on Instagram or X at Is It Horror Pod or email us at Is It Horror Podcast at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, you can recommend us to a friend, follow and rate us on your podcast app of choice, or you can check out our store on Redbubble. In the meantime, stay safe and keep asking yourself, Is it horror?